0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That statement from Commissioner Stump could not stand in more opposition to the SEC, who continues to refuse to offer guidance other than in enforcement actions, and which continues to insist that Howie tells you everything you need to know about how securities laws should be applied to cryptocurrencies. The CFTC is basically saying, if we're going to regulate people under these rules, we have to explain to them how it's going to work, and we have to figure it out for ourselves first. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by NYDIG and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, September 29th, and today we are talking about Kraken's just-announced settlement with the CFTC and why it might actually be bullish. First up, however, let's do the brief. First on the brief today, Elizabeth Warren likes Jerome Powell about as much as she likes cryptocurrencies. Powell, along with Yellen, testified before the Senate Banking Committee yesterday. As part of a requirement for these main officials to come in and talk to Congress and the Senate at a regular clip in the wake of last year's unprecedented central bank involvement in the economy, there was a lot of discussion, which will probably make it to other shows this week, including Yellen's intent to go after unrealized capital gains. But the fireworks yesterday were mostly from Elizabeth Warren. Warren accused Powell of watering down post financial crisis bank regulations. She said, Your record gives me grave concerns. Over and over, you have acted to make our banking system less safe, and that makes you a dangerous man to head up the Fed, and it's why I will oppose your renomination. That dangerous man line is the one that's making all of the press and all of the social media, but this is the first time that Warren has come out publicly and said that she'll oppose Jerome Powell's renomination. As I was discussing yesterday, Powell's term is up in February, and there is rampant speculation about whether President Biden will nominate him for another, or perhaps choose someone else, with Lale Brainerd, another Fed official, being the most commonly suggested. Warren continued, So far you've been lucky, but the 2008 crash shows what happens when the luck runs out. The seeds of the 2008 crash were planted years in advance by major regulators like the Federal Reserve that refused to rein in big banks. I came to Washington after the 2008 crash to make sure nothing like that would ever happen again. On the one hand, I suppose it's nice for someone in the Congress or Senate to be sort of holding accountable these unelected officials. At the same time, it's so hard not to see Elizabeth Warren's political questing, especially now that we've seen how she's just willing to apply the same rhetoric, the same narratives to our crypto industry, even though it's such a different space. Either way, this is a thing that happened, so there's the brief on it. Next up on The Brief today, a new positive mining bill. Two senators are asking the U.S. Department of the Treasury to look into crypto mining around the world, but with an eye to U.S. competitiveness. The bill is created by Maggie Hassan, a Democrat from New Hampshire, and Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa. If this bill was passed, Treasury would have to write up a report within two years of its passing focused on mining and the impact of mining on supply chains in areas such as semiconductors. Also, and this is a quote from the block. The study would also assess the political frameworks mining-intensive countries use for the industry. To compare, the study would also assess the types and dollar values of cryptocurrency mined within American and Chinese borders from 2016 to 2022, as well as any other countries the Treasury finds relevant. Maggie Hassan's statement on this said, "In order to strengthen U.S. competitiveness, our government must get a better handle on the role that cryptocurrency is playing in the global economy and how it is being leveraged by other countries." This, I see, is out and out positive. It's basically a Democrat and a Republican coming together, bipartisan, to say we should learn more about this, not because we think we probably need to ban it, but because we think it's probably a pretty important thing for the global economy going forward, and we want to know where we stand relative to our competitors. I think that the more that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general remains a bipartisan issue, something that doesn't easily fit into the old food fights, the better it's going to be for all of us. Last on the brief today, one that I would not have expected to be bringing to you, but here we are. Ripple is launching a $250 million NFT fund. Now, Ripple, if you've been watching these guys for the last four years or whatever it's been, they have always, 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 always focused on their cross-border payments, their remittances, all that sort of stuff, that sort of infrastructure as their thing, what they offered that was different. This is something of a pivot or at least an opportunistic expansion into NFTs. They have a few partners for the initiative, including Mintable and Mint NFT, as well as the brand agency VSA Partners. It seems like they're trying to grab the environmentally friendly NFT narrative, but I actually don't particularly care about the specifics of this deal or this initiative. I think that in the long run, to the extent that NFTs continue to be a thing, they're going to obliterate chain allegiances, and it will be the collector communities that determine legitimacy regardless of which chains things were initially minted on. I share this Ripple news because I think it relates to our main topic, and here's a Travis Kling tweet that connects the dots. We got Ripple out here punting 250 bucks into NFTs and cracking and catching and couch cushion fines, but tell me again about how U.S. regulators are getting ready to shut all of crypto down. Nidig sponsors this podcast, and they also put out a really good newsletter, focused purely on Bitcoin. If you want insights into what's driving market moves, regulatory changes, and the metrics that deserve your attention, sign up at nydig.com NLW. That's N-Y-D-I-G forward slash NLW. Let's shift to our main story. There has been a ton of speculation that we're going to see some enforcement action soon. And there's a reason for that. It's the end of a lot of these agencies' fiscal years. These agencies seem to be commenting more and more and more. Certainly the SEC is making it a point to talk about crypto more and more and more. And yesterday we actually got one, although it doesn't really seem that bad. U.S. exchange Kraken is paying a $125 million fine to the CFTC. Here's what compound general counsel and overall crypto legal expert Jake Travinsky had to say about it. Enforcement actions are usually bad news, but this seems quite positive. Kraken made a good deal and solved an open regulatory issue. CFTC got a win and asserted its authority. And Commissioner Stump wrote a good statement calling for clarity. I have to think everyone's happy with this one. The accusation was that Kraken had violated the Commodities Exchange Act. How? By offering margin crypto products between June 2020 and June 2021 without registering as a designated contract market or DCM or a futures commodity merchant, an FCM. From the CFTC, During the relevant period, Kraken offered potential and existing U.S. customers the ability to enter into margined retail commodity transactions on its exchanges. Margin trading was available to any U.S. person who Kraken approved for a user account. The margining was up to 5 to 1. Under the settlement with the CFTC, Kraken will pay $1.25 million within 30 days, they will cease to offer margin product to U.S. persons, and they waive their rights to hearings and court review. So what's Kraken's take on this? Well, Kraken had, quote, sought clarity around CFTC margin trading guidance and began proactively limiting margin products in June 2021. With the settlement, they wrote, we appreciate that today's settlement acknowledges our cooperation and engagement on the issue. We are committed to working with regulators to try to ensure the rules governing digital assets create a level playing field globally, one that allows the crypto space in the U.S. to flourish while protecting the interests of individuals and the integrity of the industry. But there is a larger issue which is that there isn't really a lot of clarity to be had. One of the most interesting things to come out of this is CFTC Commissioner Don Stump's concurring statement. Basically, the TLDR of this is that I agree with this decision, but we've given some guidance, but we need to be clearer. The guidance she's referring to is the final interpretive guidance on retail commodity transactions involving certain digital assets issued in 2020. As she points out, this was adopted two and a half years after proposal, and it's now been another year and a half in her statement she writes in the rapidly developing world of digital assets 2 years is a lifetime and yet now here we are an additional year and a half later still as the guidance becomes increasingly relevant to the commission's enforcement program i believe it is incumbent upon the commission to undertake a rulemaking proceeding to supersede the guidance by adopting binding and enforceable rules that will provide certainty to the marketplace and a shared understanding of the quote rules of the road she goes on to point out that things are just blurry here's her statement about Kraken's registration. The commission finds that Kraken violated CEA Section 4A because it engaged in retail commodity transactions that are prohibited by the CEA unless traded on or subject to the rules of a DCM, a registration designation that has neither been requested by nor granted to Kraken. But it also finds that Kraken operated as an unregistered FCM with respect to those transactions, which begs the question, if Kraken had sought to register with the commission as an FCM, how would it have been expected to operate? Absent these transactions occurring on a DCM, they would continue to be illegal even if Kraken had an FCM registration. Furthermore, how Kraken would be regulated as an FCM is not entirely clear, because many of the Commission's rules governing its regulation of traditional FCMs do not fit Kraken's role as an exchange. It would also be unprecedented for an entity to register as both a DCM and an FCM. So as you can see, they're basically falling over themselves, saying that If they had gone one direction, they would have run afoul of the other direction. If they had gone the other direction, they would have run afoul of the first direction. But it's unprecedented to run in both directions as once. So what the hell is Kraken supposed to do? She continues. In short, the application of the commission's FCM rules to an exchange on which retail commodity transactions are traded is uncharted territory at this time. I agree that Kraken's activities meet the definition of an FCM set out in the CEA and that Kraken thus operated as an FCM without registering as such though I would note this is a rather broad interpretation of the definition beyond the traditional application. I believe that if the Commission is going to hold an exchange liable for operating as an unregistered FCM with respect to retail commodity transactions, it is incumbent upon the Commission to explain in a transparent manner the relevant legal requirements for such an entity that seeks to register as an FCM, and how the Commission will apply them in enabling the entity to conduct business with U.S. customers. It's a mouthful, but let's read this last line again. I believe that if the commission is going to hold an exchange liable for operating as an unregistered FCM with respect to retail commodity transactions, it is incumbent upon the commission to explain in a transparent manner the relevant legal requirements for such an entity that seeks to register as an FCM and how the commission will apply them in enabling the entity to conduct business with U.S. customers. This is why people like Jay Travinsky are convinced that this is actually bullish. That statement from Commissioner Stump could not stand in more opposition to the SEC, who continues to refuse to offer guidance other than in enforcement actions, and which continues to insist that Howie tells you everything you need to know about how securities laws should be applied to cryptocurrencies. The CFTC is basically saying if we're going to regulate people under these rules, we have to explain to them how it's going to work, and we have to figure it out for ourselves first. A few more takes from Twitter. Alex Kruger wrote $1.25 What does that princely sum tell you? Ryan Selkis writes, Kraken paying $1.25 in a CFTC settlement is the regulatory equivalent of putting a quarter in a jar for swearing. You get accused of doing something bad with zero actual harm. Drop a coin, all good. These are the 11th hour regulatory news items. Crypto must not be so bad. Now, lest there's no wood to knock on around you wherever you are, I'm not convinced that this will be the last 11th hour regulatory news item we'll see, but the point still stands that this really isn't that bad, and in fact, it has indications that could be very good. Now, one last note, speaking of the SEC and the CFTC, I mentioned previously that CFTC Commissioner Dan Berkovitz was leaving the CFTC. My attitude was a bit of, don't let the door hit you on the way out, given his attack on the industry over the summer. Well, guess where he's headed? That's right, the SEC. Dan Berkowitz will become the new general counsel of the SEC starting November 15th. The office of the general counsel manages the SEC's litigation efforts. It makes recommendations on enforcement actions, rulemaking, and interagency activity. Listen, the optimistic take is that Dan is very pro-compliance and pro-rules, so maybe he'll actually articulate some of those rules rather than just screaming Howie and Reeves over and over again. At least we can hope. For now, I hope you're having a great week. I appreciate you listening. And until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace. Hello, listeners. If you're a financial advisor, manager, or CFA looking to learn more about Bitcoin, investment strategies, and tools to share with your clients, then you're invited to attend Coindesk's Bitcoin for Advisors event on October 6th it's a fully virtual event experience designed for advisors by advisors who have found ways to get compliance ready in order to add Bitcoin advising to their practices. You can head over to coindesk.com slash events to secure your complimentary registration today. That's coindesk.com slash events where you can register for free. We'll see you on October 6th and thanks for listening. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with spot me and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. Banking services is debit card divided by Bank Bank NIA, or Stride Bank NIA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.